0: Welcome to the Semper Reformata Podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. This week's Table Talk is very different. In this study I'm going to look at a subject which can be somewhat upsetting, if not downright alarming. I would suggest that this week's Table Talk is actually not suitable for children or for those who are nervous for it will evoke images of the lost dead. In the last of these talks, we looked at the subject of resurrection, comparing the resurrection that occurs at conversion with the future resurrection, when the Lord Jesus returns and when the dead are raised from the grave. We call that the general resurrection of the dead. And in passing, we noticed that the saved are raised on that last day to eternal life, to their reward in heaven to be finally perfected, and that the lost are raised to judgment and to condemnation. Now this raises a question or two. Well firstly, is there a difference between the resurrection body of the lost and the resurrection body of the saved? And secondly, will there be a difference between my present body and my future resurrection body? I'm Bob McAvoy and this is The Semper Reformata Podcast. So when we think about the resurrection and we search the scriptures, we're confronted with two marked contrasts. What a difference there is between the resurrection body of the saved and that of the lost. That's our first contrast. And the second contrast is the difference between our mortal bodies and our resurrection bodies. Those are our two topics for this table talk. So let's look first of all at the resurrection body of the saved and compare it and contrast it with the body of the lost that will be raised on the last day. We have to read for this Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 to 3. Since all the dead will be raised simultaneously on the last day, it might be good to ask the same rhetorical question that Paul poses on behalf of the foolish outsider in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? We saw the answer to the first part of that question last time, when we looked at Paul's illustration of the seed falling into the ground, so that a new plant could sprout forth. But the second question is the one that has been troubling me. What will our resurrection body be like? And in attempting to answer that question, With what body do they come? I'm confronted with the shocking truth that not all resurrection bodies will be the same. The body of the saved who will be raised on that day will be vastly different from the body of the lost. Now let's consider those differences. Think about the resurrection body of those who know and love the Lord Jesus, who are saved by grace. Well, we'll look at this more closely in a moment or two, but we already know that the resurrection bodies of the saved will be glorious bodies. When we go to a funeral service, we bury our loved ones who know the Lord Jesus and we commit them to the grave in the sure and certain hope of a glorious resurrection to eternal life. We will be raised to holiness and to glory. But what about the resurrection bodies of those who do not know the Saviour of the lost? Now that's what causes me great concern. I've never used the phrase, in the sure and certain hope of a glorious resurrection, when I'm burying or cremating someone of whose salvation I am not absolutely certain. I simply say on those occasions, to await the general resurrection of the dead at the last day. And I do that because, for the ungodly, the day of the Lord will be far from glorious and the bodies with which they are raised will be far from glorious bodies. For them, that day will be a fearful day. It will be a terrifying day. Let's read some of the scripture passages that teach us this. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 And at that time shall Michael stand up. The great prince which standeth for the children of thy people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time thy people shall be delivered every one that should be found written in the book and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for ever and ever. In Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 24, it tells us that they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. That image was actually restated by Jesus several times in Mark chapter 9, where he talks about the worm not dying and the fire not being quenched. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12, it tells us that the sons of the kingdom, now the context of this is that many of those who considered themselves sons of Abraham's kingdom, will be lost on that day, and they will be cast into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in revelation chapter 20 and verse 10 the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night ever and ever now when we put all of those together it's a fearful picture indeed it's an image of mental and physical and spiritual agony it's an image of lost souls without hope in bodies that will be raised in sin and corruption, to ever rot in the fires of hell, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. William Hendrickson, writing on this subject, says one fact can be affirmed without hesitation, however, namely that these bodies will be a horrible sight. Indeed, they will cause even the damned to shudder. The ugly, deliberately gut-churning, revolting bodies depicted in horror movies like Zombie Apocalypse will seem pleasant compared with the bodies of the lost on Resurrection morning. One day when I was very young, I was taken to the Ulster Museum at Strandmillis in Belfast. As a child, I hadn't much interest in art galleries or sculptures, But when I was shown the Egyptian mummy, the ancient empty corpse of Takabuta, I couldn't take my eyes off her. Like every young child looking at a thing like that, I was fascinated. But it was a different story that night, when I was trying to sleep, and I couldn't get the image of that corpse, blackened, empty shell, out of my head. In fact, that gave me sleepless nights for quite a while. I think... That if unbelievers were to seriously consider the implications of the general resurrection for those who have unforgiven sin for those who are lost unsaved christ rejectors, that picture would give them sleepless nights for many weeks to come and so it should the resurrection day is a fearful prospect for those who are not saved the only way to have that burden lifted And to know contentment and peace of heart is to acknowledge that we are sinners and repent of all of our sins and trust Christ, believing that his atoning work on the cross paid the debt for all of our sins so that when that final day comes, we will have a glorious resurrection with a new glorious body and so not be counted among the lost and the eternally damned. I think it would be good, at this stage, if we were to pause for a moment of reflection. And perhaps you're listening to this podcast, listening on CD or listening online, and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Saviour. Now is the time to seriously consider where you will be in eternity. The second subject that we want to look at is the difference between our mortal bodies and our resurrection bodies. This is a second difference. The present body that we live in and the body in which we as believers in Christ will be raised on the last day. Now to do this we need to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul gives us a hint of the differences when he sets out a series of comparisons. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 42 to 45, Paul says these words, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Talking about Christ. Let's see the differences that exist between our present bodies and the body that we will have on resurrection day. Well, First of all, there will be a difference of corruption versus incorruption. Verse 43 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. In this world, everything is subject to corruption and to decay. A hymn writer, writing a hymn that we often sing at funerals, wrote these words. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay. In all around I see, O thou who changest not, abide with me. In our new resurrection bodies, there will be no change, and there will be no decay. Do you know, there will be no more birthdays. And for some of us, that will probably be a good thing. The other difference is dishonour versus honour. It is sown in dishonour says paul it is raised in glory right now our bodies often let us down it's often the case that when dishonour comes upon a person it is due to the fact that they have yielded to some bodily temptation perhaps some sexual sin or the must-have greed of this world these things lead to sin and to dishonour but in our new resurrection bodies all that temptation to sin and dishonour will be gone. Our bodies will be spiritually guided. Nothing illustrates the dishonour of this present body more than death itself. In death we have the final degradation of mankind, the most regal, the most important, the wealthiest person, the poorest person, the most humble of all. We all suffer the same indignity. We are taken in a box and we are shamed and deprived of all this world's goods. We are doomed to dust. But in the resurrection body we will be transformed into a glorious body. And Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21 that this is the work of Christ. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glory. Glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That verse itself would be well worth a Bible study. So corruption becomes incorruption at the resurrection. The dishonour of our present body becomes honour at the resurrection. And the weakness of this present body becomes power at the resurrection. Our body is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power, says Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Think of the inherent weaknesses of these human bodies. How many times do we have to attend for clinical tests? How many times do we fall prey to viruses and bacteria? How often do bodily parts fail us? The commonest little bug born in a draft of air can kill us and we are weak. The strongest among us has limitations on his or her strength. Again, it's in death that weakness reaches its inevitable conclusion. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 1 to 2 says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, an house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. At our funeral we shall be sown in weakness. At the resurrection we shall be raised in power. The last of these contrasts that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 15 is natural versus spiritual. Verse 44 in the text says that our body is sown as a natural body, but it is raised as a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. That's the reason why our bodies are sown in corruption and raised in incorruption, sown in dishonour and raised in honour, sown in weakness and raised in power. Here and now we have a body, a natural body, but then we will have a spiritual body. Now, the interesting word here is the word body. It's a physical body and a spiritual body. The Greek word is soma. There are certain differences in these two bodies. But the spiritual body is still a body. It will be a body made for a different environment, perfected and glorified and fit to be in the presence of Christ. Don't think of your resurrection body as being some kind of ghostly specter or apparition. John, writing in 1 John 3 and verse 2, says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We'll have a body, a body like the Lord Jesus, a body that is equipped for eternal life fully equipped to dwell forever with the Lord. What a glorious resurrection! Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonour, raised in honour. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. Those great blessings are only for those who know and love the Lord Jesus, as their savior. Well, we don't have time to look at the battle of Armageddon in this study. So we'll make that the subject of our next table talk. Thank you for listening to Table Talk. Table Talk is usually held on the second and third Tuesday evening of each month at Ballymacashan Church at 8pm. All are welcome. Join in the conversation at Table Talk at Ballymacashan.